The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today's episode of Disability Matters has been previously recorded. Please enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I hope you're all having a great day. Special shout out to my close friend, Yoshiko Dart, a woman that is still leading the spirit of her late husband, Justin Dart, every day, and a very good friend of all of us. I am so excited. I'm going to tell you why. Anytime... I have a civil rights leader on the show, someone fighting for all of us living with disabilities. I am always excited because this is so near and dear to my heart, as everyone knows. And today we have the chief executive officer of the Disability Rights Network of Pennsylvania, Perry Jude Radisick, with us. Perry, welcome to the show. Joyce, thank you so much. You're such a wonderful leader of our community, and I appreciate uh, all that you do, and thank you for having me on your show. It is my pleasure. So, Perry Jude, um, for our listeners, can you explain to them what the Disability Rights Network is? Absolutely. The Disability Rights Network of Pennsylvania protects and advocates for the rights of people with disabilities so that we can live lives that we choose free from abuse, neglect, discrimination, and segregation. And how that works on the ground is that we are the largest provider of legally-based advocacy services to people with disabilities in Pennsylvania. We have 57 staff across Pennsylvania with offices in Pittsburgh, Harrisburg and Philadelphia, and we have staff that have an office in each of our five state-run institutions for persons with intellectual disabilities. Many of your listeners may have heard Kurt Decker or, or others on, the, on your radio show who have talked about our national protection and advocacy system. We are part of that national advocacy protection and advocacy system. We were established in 1977, so we are part of that system, and you can find one of us in every state and territory. And if you want a list of, uh, of our sister agencies, you can go to ndrn.org. Here in Pennsylvania, we serve about 6,000 individuals every year with disabilities, and we offer rights information, training, help with self-advocacy, uh, we may be able to help with short-term intervention, due process complaints, and in systemic areas, we, uh, we offer litigation. So we offer a wide range of remedies uh, to solve legal and advocacy issues related to uh, discrimination on the basis of disabilities. Wow, and what a wonderful organization. And once again, what is the website? The website is uh, www. D R N P 
PA.org. Okay, so that is good for everyone to know because, once again, someone fighting for your rights, you need to know how to reach them. Um, So how about you now, Harry Jude? How did you first become involved in the Disability Rights Network? Well, uh, my time with the Disability Rights Network has been about a year and a half, although I've been working uh, in uh, the Protection and Advocacy Network for 11 years, longer on disability rights issues. I go as far back as the Fair Housing Amendments Act of 1988 uh, in Capitol Hill and the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, so I've got a long history of fighting for the rights of persons with disabilities. Uh, I'm a person with lived experience, and uh, and so fighting for the rights of people with disabilities is very important to me. Uh, I uh, had, was hired as a staff attorney in Arizona uh, for the protection and advocacy system there in Arizona uh, over 11 years ago. Uh, I later ran our uh, Help America Vote Act program, so I'm pretty experienced in fighting for the rights of persons with lived experience and persons with developmental disabilities and uh, in voting rights for our community. I'm originally from Pittsburgh and wanted to come back to Pennsylvania, so I applied and was selected to become the chief executive officer at the Disability Rights Network of Pennsylvania, and I'm so lucky uh, to be able to continue to uh, work to fight for our rights and, and to do it here in Pennsylvania where I'm from. Oh, and we're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you, Joyce. Now, one thing I don't think I was clear on, so let me get this straight. Um, when, how, way back, how did you first become involved with disability, period? Sure. Uh, it was uh, related to uh, HIV and AIDS uh, working in the civil rights community, and so it was important that uh, HIV and AIDS remain part of uh, the definition of who a person with a disability uh, uh, is and was, and, and so that's where my work took me, and, uh, and that's how I became involved. Well, that is another area where people with disabilities are frequently discriminated against. So it's great that you have that background. But I, you know, I know you're working on a lot of great things, and something that uh, I've followed that uh, the Disability Rights Network is involved with is the justice system for youth with disabilities. And that 65% of juveniles with disabilities in the justice systems first meets the criteria of a person with a disability, that number is shocking. To me, I mean, that is shocking. So I wanted you to talk about this and to tell our listeners what you think needs to happen. I mean, what... What needs to happen? I mean, that's so Joyce, terrible. That's it's terrible. terrible. The, the, the number you cite is staggering, uh, if you think about it. And uh, that data comes from uh, not just one, but several sources. So several sources have confirmed that staggering number you just talked about. 65% of our youth in the justice system meet the criteria for a person with a disability. Like you said, oh, it's shocking. I mean, it is shocking. It is. I couldn't, it, truthfully, I couldn't believe it when I read that. So what can be done? I mean, why? Let's start here. Why is that? 
Why? Well, uh, I think there are several reasons uh, why. Uh, I think uh, the school systems have hired uh, school resource officers who are not trained in dealing uh, with uh, children who, uh, who face trauma, who may be having a behavior related to a traumatic situation or a trigger related to trauma. And it's easy just to um, arrest a child rather than to de-escalate a situation. And so, um, uh, so we, we have that, that going uh, on in our schools. Um, we know way too often that schools do not fully implement a child's IEP. So we might have a situation where a child is supposed to have a one-on-one and the schools don't, uh, don't have a one-on-one for a child. And so instead of that, um, uh, a child may be vulnerable to a school resource officer. And so there you might again have a child who interacts with the criminal justice system when there was no need uh, for that interaction. The child just needed to have that IEP implemented with a one-on-one aid at the school versus an interaction with the justice system. Uh, so it's a pipeline into the juvenile justice system. And I could go on and on about but these reasons uh, uh, that, that push kids out of school and into uh, interactions with law enforcement uh, for disciplinary reasons more often than other students. And so that's what we see. Um, it's, it's, and, and it can be avoided with the use of positive behavioral supports, carrying out the, the child's um, uh, individual education plans uh, and uh, versus uh, using school resource officers and uh, using um, uh, 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 the law enforcement. And I think it's also these uh, zero tolerance policies uh, that are at schools. You know, you have one infraction and you're, and you're pushed out of school. Uh, and I think those policies disproportionately impact children with disabilities more so than, than other children. And so I, I think th- that answers your question as to why this is happening. Wow. Okay. So, what what are you trying to do to stop this? Well, n- not just. I mean, on an I mean on a national basis. Yes, uh, on a on a national basis, uh, we're doing multiple things. Uh, first, our our national uh, disability rights network, our national office, ha- has gathered data from a- across our protection and advocacy network to issue a report, drawing attention to the uh, problems of youth with disabilities being incarcerated and the frequency to which youth interact with law enforcement uh, and are incarcerated at at that high alarming rate of 65 to 70%. Uh, and so we're drawing attention to this, calling on Congress to have hearings and, and to do something about it. Uh, and so there are, but there are other things, uh, that can be done. Uh, the, uh, school resource officers, as I have been talking about, uh, should undergo training on topics such as the IDEA, uh, discipline requirements, crisis management, cultural competence, uh, because, uh, children of color, 
are often uh, represented at higher rates uh, within uh, uh, these numbers uh, than are uh, children uh, who are white. Uh, school resource officers ha- have to be trained in de-escalation uh, strategies, uh, understanding and responding to the effects of trauma. So we have to work with school resource officers to not call law enforcement. Um, we have to authorize a protection and advocacy system uh, for juvenile justice programs uh, to help divert youth with disabilities from entering the juvenile justice system. So, so let me say that a different way. What we need is uh, our, our federal funds to run into our network, our protection and advocacy system, so we can focus our resources and our advocates and attorneys on this problem so that we can have the money to intervene and make sure we can represent more students with disabilities who are facing school resource officers and, and are facing this problem and so we can divert them from law enforcement uh, back into the schools and, and not into juvenile justice uh, systems. We yeah, because you know what? I'm, Here's yes. what happens. Here's what happens. Once you get in this system, it's like you're lost. It really is. And, um, we, you know, we've just got to do something about it. I mean, that is so terrible. Uh, you know, it really is terrible. And, and by the way, I've read a lot about uh, youth who are deaf, who get in these systems, and it is horrible what happens, uh, including yes. abuse. I mean, it's just horrible when you don't have a way to speak to people. So thank you for what you're doing, and we're going to talk more about disability rights when we come back from break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we're talking to Perry Jude Radisick, the Chief Executive Officer of the Disability Rights Network of Pennsylvania about disability rights, what is happening in this country. Um, and it's so funny that, uh, well, it's not funny, it's sad, but just today I was asked to be on a radio show to talk about what people with mental health disabilities are going through, you know, in the workforce, what's happening, what's happening to them. And I know that you do a lot of work in this area, so I thought we could talk about that a little bit. Um, so, Perry Jude, what are some of the issues facing people with mental health issues today? Well, well, Joyce, I think you just mentioned one of them, which is discrimination. And, and people still experience discrimination in housing and employment, and you're absolutely right. Employers still don't have faith in the abilities of a person with lived experiences. They're still stereotyping distrust and fear, and we get those calls. And, and uh, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, still gets cases related to people with lived experiences or people with mental illness who still face discrimination in hiring and in uh, promotion and certainly in termination uh, when they disclose their mental illness or ask for an accommodation at work. So uh, it's still happening, and, uh, and, and in society we have not come that far uh, where people are afraid to uh, disclose uh, their disability and ask for an accommodation. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, how about veterans with disabilities that come back with post-traumatic stress order or some type of mental health issue? Let me tell you what they are going through is absolutely terrible when it comes to gaining employment. And also, as you know, with all these shootings, that have occurred in this country. I'm, I mean horrible shootings. Right away, you know, the person is saying to me, are we going to have a problem? Do we have to be worried? Which I can't even believe. Well, they don't say that. They say someone at work asked them that. Not they think that. And um, that's what people are going through. The, the more you hear on the news, oh, this person had a mental health issue, is the worst. It is becoming for people with disabilities to get jobs. You're absolutely right. And I think you just pointed out another issue faced by people with mental health issues, which is stigma. And you're absolutely right. The, uh, the media attention that has been focused on these shootings and how they have portrayed people with mental illness um, has, has not helped the situation, and it has uh, perpetuated the stereotypes, distrust, and fear uh, uh, that uh, uh, society has related to people with mental uh, illness. And, uh, and, and it doesn't help. 
and the fact that people think that uh, people with mental illness are violent, uh, that is a myth. In fact, what ends up happening is that people with mental illness are are way more likely to be the victim of a violent attack than than we are to be uh, the perpetrator of a violent act. And so it's the the media has it all wrong, and even members of Congress have have it all wrong when it comes to. Um, who really is committing the violent acts in this country. And it impacts our self-worth, and it impacts our ability to to participate in recovery. And so stigma is a big issue for people with uh, mental illness. Yes, and, you know, I am... Uh, I am... I am a anti-gun type person. I notice that when they talk about this, They'll say, well, what we'll do is we'll just make sure that a person with a mental health issue can't, you know, get a gun, which I don't like guns, period. But the point I'm making is that's saying because they'll kill someone. That's stigmatizing one group, such as you said, that everyone with a mental health issue is going to, you know, kill someone, which is so far-fetched. But even on TV, if you watch any of the crime shows or profiler-type shows, when a crime is committed, they'll always say, check, have we had anyone uh, released from a mental institution? They're always saying this, which, again, just keeps reinforcing that stigma. So, and, you know, I really think we all have to work together uh, on this. And actually, Perry Jude, I'm glad that's an issue with you. Oh, it absolutely is. And it's, you know, something that we all need to work on uh, is, is anti-stigma campaigns uh, whenever they're around uh, and uh, to uh, work with uh, uh, people with uh, uh, mental health issues who uh, champion anti-stigma campaigns. I know we do here in Pennsylvania uh, to make sure uh, that the truth gets out uh, about the lives of people with mental illness, uh, so that uh, so that the real stories are told, and not the stereotypes, the the myths, the fear uh, that is prevalent uh, in the media. We we got to tell the real stories, and Joyce, shows like yours uh, really help to be able to get that message out. Well, yes, that is a very important to me because. Being that I specialize in employing people with disabilities in the employment, finding employment for people with disabilities, I can assure you that I tell companies all the time when they say, we haven't hired people with disabilities before. I say, oh, yes, you have. Yeah, they're working here right now. They have bipolar disorder, uh, depression, other disabilities, but they're not going to tell you because they know what discrimination is. That's right. Uh, so we have to all keep working together on that. The whole disability community across the board, we really need to work on that. Um, and, and one other thing that, you know, wow, there's so many shocking things. I'll tell you that, as you know, my close friend is Chris Griffin, uh, yes. who, who is uh, one of our national leaders in the Disability Law Center in Boston. And we've been a friend for a long time. And it is she that first started telling me these stories about 
you know, restraint of high school students with disabilities. And I know that has been in the news a lot recently. You've been seeing that, um, sadly, with different cases. But I still can't understand why people are allowed to do this. I mean, you know, that happened, as you well know, right here in Pittsburgh uh, this past year, more than one time. And there, nationally, there have been other examples that have occurred. Um, but could you talk about that, explain that to our listeners, what I'm talking about, um, and then, like, what is being done to try to stop it? I'd be happy to, uh, Joyce. Uh, seclusion and restraint in schools was an issue that came into the public sphere about six years ago, uh, I guess back in 2009. A number of uh, organizations and even Congress started to shine a light on seclusion and restraint in our schools, not just high school, but elementary school. It even happens in elementary school. Uh, and, and so it was the National Disability Rights Network. It was uh, Congressman George Miller from California, had the Government Accounting Office do a study to look into this. Uh, it was uh, uh, COPA, an organization of parents and attorneys uh, who uh, work in the area of special education, all looked into the issue of seclusion and restraint and shined a light on these inhumane practices. And, and we took our data from our national network and published a result. And what we found where the children across the country were returning home from school with broken bones and bruises, uh, and some were not coming home at all. We actually had documented deaths from the use uh, of restraints in schools. And at the time, uh, the U.S. Department of Education had uh, not taken any significant action uh, to protect uh, our children uh, from these uh, uh, inhumane uh, practices. And so uh, our national office, uh, the National Disability Rights Network, uh, called on uh, federal, state, and local entities to make changes uh, to protect our, our children from uh, these uh, seclusion and restraint practices. Uh, members of Congress uh, heard uh, our outrage and uh, not only did their own study, they held hearings and uh, eventually in 2010 uh, introduced some legislation. Uh, and, uh, and it was our, our friend, uh, Senator Tom Harkin uh, from Iowa, who unfortunately is no longer in Congress, uh, but it was Senator Tom Harkin who had introduced some legislation uh, that would uh, begin to regulate the use of seclusion and restraint in schools. And it was Congressman George Miller, he's a Democrat from California, who in the House of Representatives had introduced similar legislation uh, in the House to regulate seclusion and restraint. Uh, I wish I had good news. And, and had a happy ending to the story that the House and Senate passed it and it was signed into law, but I don't have a happy ending to this story. Oh, no. Uh, the, the legislation had faced opposition from the National School Boards Association, school superintendents, the Teachers Association. They all united behind uh, opposition to the legislation. 
the disability community was, of course, united behind the legislation. Uh, the United Cerebral Palsy, the ARC, Autism Speaks, Easter Seals, other advocacy organizations wanted to see the legislation passed, uh, uh, but it did not pass. And, and now we lost our two fiercest advocates uh, for the regulation of seclusion and restraint. Again, that was Congressman Miller and Senator Harkin. And now we're back to square one. We've got all new members, uh, a lot of members uh, turned over, and we got new members to educate about the the um, um, harsh use of seclusion and restraint, and and so we're back to educating people uh, about this uh, horrible practice uh, of the use of seclusion and restraint, and so uh, we're back to square one. Wow. Wow. You know, it's horrible. It's hard to believe that, you know, this is barbaric. Hard to believe people wouldn't be outraged about this. And, you know, you were talking about Senator Harkin. When he um, left office, I told him I could cry. I could cry because we could always count on him. And you talked about uh, Miller also. You know, we need new, we need some strong advocates. We need some new people there fighting for us because, I mean, first it was Senator Kennedy. You know, it keeps going down the list, but um, right. we, we need help there. But anyway, we're going to talk more to uh, Perry Jude, but it's time to go to break. Just want to mention this show is sponsored by Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Cavestro. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back to talk more to Perry Jude. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. News. News. Opinion. 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 Opinion.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Perry Jude Radisic, the CEO of the Disability Rights Network of Pennsylvania. And I've met her, and she is just awesome, uh, really passionate about this. So we're lucky to have her here. Um, and I know of her originally through Kurt Decker, the CEO of NDRN, um, who, who is just awesome. He's spoken out over the years about many things. But I want to tell, and he's been on our show, but I want to tell you that I remember years ago he wrote this article um, about 14C, and how we, the disability community, had to really rise up against this because it was like slavery. I, I re- remember this very powerful article that he wrote, which, of course, 14C is um, subminimum pay for people with disabilities, uh, which recently has been on the news a lot. But two things. First, how the heck did that first start? I mean, it's long ago, right, Harry Jude? Oh, Joyce, absolutely. It's so outdated. It's such an outdated law. It was passed in 1938. Uh, and if you can think back to the way things were in 1938, how could that possibly apply to the way things uh, are today? And it permits, it actually permits the wages uh, of people with disabilities to be paid below the federal minimum wage. And you, you have have this 14C certificate, uh, and uh, you tell the individual uh, that you are paying them less than a federal minimum wage. You post the certificate in a conspicuous place, and then you do an analysis of people's productivity, and you pay people based on productivity. I mean, really, I mean, some days, uh, you know, you come into the office, and I would hate to have somebody watching me uh, every minute of the day. Uh, basing, uh, product, basing my wage on any given day based on my productivity, based on somebody's standards. Uh, and then you keep records. And, and this is how people with disabilities are treated in the workplace. It's, it's antiquated and it has no place in the workforce today. None. And so the, <clears throat> so you all understand this. We're talking about some people being paid like 25 cents. I mean, we're not being like a dollar under uh, minimum wage. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible what's been happening. Uh, and, you know, like you'll meet someone, oh, they have all these people working, they're making brooms, they're making boxes. That's what it usually is. It's a sheltered workshop using subminimum pay. So is that finally going to end, Perry Jude? I, I, I think it is. I think we're on our way uh, to, to seeing an end to the 14C certificate. You, you can see changes are underway. Uh, recently, President Obama signed an executive order, and, and he declared that if you're a federal contractor, federal service contracts, beginning uh, last January, the pay rate is $10.10 an hour. 
and that included people with disabilities. So even if you had a minimum uh, 14C certificate, you could not pay the sub-minimum wage. You had to pay every worker $10.10 an hour. So it's, it's our responsibility to make sure that, that uh, these contractors are paying $10.10 an hour, and that's what, the, that's what I hope our network does, is get out there and make sure that these contractors are paying $10.10 an hour to everybody, even though they have a 14C certificate, and enforce that executive order. So that's one way we know that uh, the 14C certificate is, is on its way out through this executive order. There's another way we know that the 14C certificate is on its way out. Now, to be completely out, we need federal legislation and because that's a federal law. But to know it's on its way out, there's something called the Home and Community-Based Service Regulations that are uh, being changed nationwide. Each state has to write these new regulations that really uh, are uh, – to, to a great extent, calling for the end of these segregated settings, and that includes work settings. If you get, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, uh, oversimplifying this, but if you get federal money, you can't have these segregated settings, including work settings. And so we know uh, that that's going to help push um, uh, people to segregated work settings. And again, we want not just an end to the uh, subminimum wage, but we want integrated work settings uh, as well. We also know that there was a recent change to the Workforce Investment Act, and it requires all of our offices of vocational rehabilitation to put resources into transition for youth. So our youth coming out of high school should not be going into sub-minimum wage jobs. And it's forcing our Office of Vocational Rehabilitation to put more resources into youth in transition to make sure they get employment opportunities and to do more to make sure no one goes into a sub-minimum wage job. I think that's great news. These are great changes. They're incremental changes, but they're, they're changes nonetheless that help us move away from this 14C certificate. We have the labor pool, Joyce. We have the labor pool. Now we just have to keep pushing OVR, the providers and the employers, to see the benefits of hiring our community. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you. I cannot begin to tell you the people, you know, that have been opposed to this that will come to me and say, what's going to happen to my son or daughter with this very significant disability that won't be able to find a job? And I tell them, you know, number one, are you sure that's what they want to do? And number two, Vermont. I mean, there are states where they have done a fabulous job moving this, like, you know, working with the community to find other uh, opportunities um, and I just, I see this happening across the country, and uh, I'm sure you know, Perry, Jude, about those recent events that happened uh, with Source America that were on the news. Yes. I mean, it's horrible taking advantage of people in different ways. So hopefully, yes, that will come to a stop. Uh, and you can follow up on all of these things, by the way, 
by going to the NDRN website, which is fabulous, and they always have updates on everything going on. So this next question I wanted to ask you. I was thinking about, gee, how could I ask her that question? So this is the only way I could think to ask you, and that is of everything we've been talking about or have not been talking about, as a disability rights leader, what keeps you up at night? Well, uh, yeah, thinking about everything we just talked about, uh, I mean, one thing we didn't talk about uh are that we still have institutions. I know we still have them in Pennsylvania. So the fact that we have members of our community that still live in institutions, uh, like in, here in Pennsylvania, keeps me up at night. I, I, I want to close our institutions here in Pennsylvania. People should be living in the community. Uh, we did it in Arizona. People lived in the community. The, people live in the community in other states. They should not be living in institutions. Other states need to close their institutions, and we should be doing that here in Pennsylvania. So, do you, I, do you, do you know how shocked I was when I heard? I mean, I did not realize that that we still had this many. I mean, like, how many do we have in Pennsylvania? We have five state-run institutions, and we have about 996 people living in those state-run. There are some private-run facilities as well, but but the state needs to lead. The state needs to close them, and we have 996 individuals leaving, living in our state-run institutions. Shocking. And these state-run institutions, are these people with all types of mental health issues, or is it a combination of that? and intellectual disabilities or primarily intellectual disabilities, how would you describe it? These are people with intellectual disabilities. We also have seven uh, state-run hospitals for persons with mental illness uh, that also need to be closed. Uh, and, and I'd have to, I have to refresh my memory of what those numbers are, but it's, it's over a thousand. Uh, I know that for sure. It's over a thousand people with mental illness in those state hospitals. They need to be closed as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, talk about the opportunity for terrible abuse. It's horrifying when you think right. about that. And, uh, I mean, I know that we've come a long way from Willowbrook, but they all need to go. All of them need to go. So um, I can see why that keeps you up at night, and I'm sure you worry about some of the things I just said. Uh, absolutely. And like I said, we have staff uh, in those five state uh, develop, uh, uh, in, uh, developmental disability state centers uh, who have an office there who um, – uh, walk the halls, who uh, monitor for abuse and neglect uh, on a daily basis. And so I'm so grateful for them, for the work that they do. They are uh, just fantastic people, and, and we really do our best to keep people safe uh, who still live in those institutions. But our job number one is to close them. And uh, 
Uh, I think the the second issue that keeps me up at night is that we have people in our community who want to work uh, at a livable wage, and the systems aren't in place to provide that support. and And I'm talking about the subminimum wage. And uh, we, we, I'm with you, Joyce. We have to end that 14C certificate, and we have to do everything possible to get people in uh, competitive wages, livable wages, in integrated settings. and And we need to do that as soon as possible. Yes. Yes, we do. Well, listen, folks, we're going to go to break before we close the show. But if you've been listening to the show and you're thinking, oh, I wish, you know, I wish so-and-so had heard it, two things. You can either go to my website, BenderConsult.com. All the shows are archived, and you can hear any of them, including this show. And you can download the show from iTunes. Um, but we're going to get ready to go to break. Once again, once again, special thanks to Highmark and to Covestro for being here all these years. Great companies they are. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Perry Jude. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com if you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, everyone. We've been talking over this past hour to Perry Jude Radisick, the CEO of the Disability Rights Network of Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, we're just so lucky to have her right here in Pennsylvania. As I said, I've met her, and she is just so passionate, as I'm sure you could tell, 
from listening to the show. And every time I meet someone like you, Perry Jude, I think, okay, there's some way somehow that they got to where they are with this incredible passion. So my question to you is, who is your role model? <laughs> yes, we all are inspired by others. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I will tell you most recently, uh, my inspiration uh, comes from ADAPT. Uh, our our movement civil disobedience uh, uh, group, uh, our national grassroots uh, nonviolent direct action organization, and uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I think for a, a civil rights movement like ours to succeed, we need uh, so many so many parts, so many moving parts. We need that legal advocacy arm, like our protection and advocacy agency. You know, we need the policy people in Washington, D.C., and we need the grassroots, all of the parents and all of the the people with disabilities who are out in the community uh, talking to the legislators and and uh, uh, breaking down those stereotypes and, and living our free lives uh, independently in the community. Uh, and tearing down those stereotypes. And we also need that direct action uh, that shines a light uh, where it needs to be shined and and to hold people accountable where people need to be held accountable. And so so I really uh, am often inspired by ADAPT, who, who really uh, shines that light uh, where it needs to be, where it needs to be. And... Uh, and I, and I love their agenda. I love the agenda. It's it's our agenda, where it's about the independent living, getting people out of nursing homes, freeing people from institutions. It's about freeing our people, and it's it's uh, so inspiring. And uh, I'm I'm just so moved. And um, I think we're blessed to have them in our community, Joyce. Yes, we are, and so much they have done, and and still are doing. Uh, to help us move forward. So now, over the past 12 years, I have asked these last two questions to every single person that has been on the show. And for some reason, the next one seems to be what the hardest question is for everyone, and I don't know why that is, but my question is that, you know, when you think about your law degree, your career in advocacy, now being the CEO, um, you already have accomplished so much. But if you had to think of one thing in your life that you've accomplished so far, what would be the proudest accomplishment? Yeah, uh, you know, um, it was, uh, it's when I was a staff attorney and helping individual clients and uh, I, I can think of one case in particular. Uh, uh, it, it was always it was always a, it's always about the clients. And uh, I remember one in particular. Uh, so it was a client uh, who had uh, has muscular dystrophy, and and her managed care organization, I'm sure, to save money. I'm convinced it was to save money because it's always about saving money under managed care, wanted to cut her home and community-based service hours from 40 hours a week down to 30 hours a week and 
mean, we she needed community-based services to just get out of bed, to help her with meals. Uh, I mean, it was basic things we take for granted, and and uh, I represented her to keep her 40 hours a week, and uh, I was able to get her to maintain her 40 hours a week and to actually get a decision that benefited other people, uh, whereas if your condition didn't improve, you couldn't cut your home and community-based service hours. And so it was a great victory for my client, and it was a great victory for others who uh, were in a similar situation. So uh, uh, really it's always about the client uh, and our client work. Well, that's what makes you so special, Harry Jude, that you think like that. Uh, and as a matter of fact, before I go to my, my uh, other question, you know if someone wants to get in touch with you, someone that feels they're being discriminated against, and that needs legal help or needs representation. Once again, how do they reach your organization? Yes, uh, we have a 800 number that people can call us for free. Now, to get our services, you have to live in Pennsylvania. Uh, if you live in another state and you want to reach someone just like us at the Disability Rights Network, then, then you have to go to ndrn.org. On the front page of their webpage, there's a map of the United States. Click on your state or click on the name of your state, and you'll be directed to that protection and advocacy agency. But if you're from Pennsylvania, we'd love to talk to you. Our 800 number is 800-692-7443. That's 800-692-7443. Four four three. Wow. Okay. One more time. The website. The website for the National Disability Rights Network is ndrn.org. Our website in Pennsylvania is d. That's d as in David. R n p a dot o r g. All right, you've got it, folks. Now you know. If you need help, you know to reach you know where to reach out. So, Perry Jude, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I've always been a believer that we have to create our own opportunities for success. We cannot wait for our legislators, our local lawmakers, or or for our providers to come and give us opportunities. In our movement, in any civil rights movement, we've got to create our own uh, uh, victories, uh, our own legal and advocacy victories, and not wait for Congress or anybody else to decide it's time for us to have our rights, our own rights. We have to go out and get them and make our own opportunities, and that's what I'd like to leave uh, for uh, your listeners today, Joyce. All right. Yeah, what a good message that is. And you know, folks, we end every show with a quote that we feel is from someone that has impacted lives across the world, people with disabilities, the disadvantaged for justice. And today, that quote is, mindless physical barriers and outdated social additives attitudes have made people with disabilities second-class citizens for too long, said Senator 
Edward Kennedy at the signing of the ADA. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Hey, talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.